Hi there, and welcome to Oaktown Boys, Season 3, Episode 13. Um, definitely the coolest week of the year so far. Totally. Seven game winning On the field. On the field. Definitely coolest game, coolest week of the week of the season on the field. If anybody says that they thought the A's would win more than three games in a row all year, they're a liar. Yeah, I mean, and it's okay. I, none of us believed it. You don't have to tell us that you believed it because none of us believed that. But now I firmly believe we'll never lose again. Doesn't seem like they're going to. You know, if, if we want to take a fairly small sample size that is the last seven games, they're never going to lose again. They're going to win the World Series. Um, <laughs> so how did we, how did this all happen? happen? How did we get started here? Well, we won, first and foremost, we won the last two games of the Pirates series. That's right. Which um, we talked about in an episode that you guys may or may not hear. We're not sure. We recorded it remotely. It was a little bit weird. Um, we had a very, we'll very chaotic week and a half of our lives. Back and forth between Santa Barbara and Los Angeles and San Diego and everywhere in between. Yeah. Uh, yeah, we tried a remote recording and things got out of our control. So. Sometimes you can't rely on the Airbnb Wi-Fi and that's okay. <laughs> we, you know? Sometimes it doesn't work out. We have um, not yet decided if it will make its way to the interwebs. So but there maybe are as a little bonus. The last two games of the Pirate series bring us to fourteen wins. Win number fifteen, number three of the current streak, uh, was a five-two win on the ninth um, against the Brewers. Sam Wall opened, struck out the side, uh, and then Medina came in and pitched well. There are five good innings. Yeah, I'm loving the way the opener is working for the A's. Mm-hmm. It is definitely not a coincidence that they are employing that method and winning lately. It's shortening the game, and it's it's working beautifully. It's working the way the Rays <laughs> intended it to work when they created it. And Ursag uh, and May came in. Trevor May seems to be rounding a corner in the big picture. You know, I don't know if he's going to pitch well enough for an extended period of time to get like the overall numbers looking good. But he's definitely not terrible now anymore. You no. know, and the that, break seems to have done him well. And we appreciate people saying that they need to take a break when they need to take a break. That poor guy. <laughs> he's just fighting it out there sometimes, but he's he's fighting through it. Yeah. And he was good on this day. He got a save. And he's starting to rack up the saves, I guess. Yeah. And that brings us to the 10th. Um, another win. Nice, another win against the Brewers. Nice 2-1 to one win. Nice extra inning win on the road. Something yeah. that you don't see too often. Yeah, uh, Blackburn was very good. Blackburn was solid. Um, Our champion. Yeah, six innings. Um, you know, they... Uh, er, throughout... through There wasn't really... Neither team got much going. I think it was about a ground out. Yeah, Belay grounded out for our run. William Contreras hit a bomb off a of love lady. Um, and then Aledmus Diaz singled home Tony Kemp in the top of the 10th to give us the win. Uh, Sam Long gets the gets the save. Fuji with the win. Fuji maybe looking okay out of the bullpen. He's doing okay for these one-inning stretches. Yeah. And again, a great way to use him is one inning at a time at the beginning of the game or the end of the game. Yeah, and because, yeah, we maybe you might be able to get two out of him, but you're probably not going to get three out of him. Um, anyway, so that's what, four in a row at that point, I believe? Four in a row. And that's the end of the Brewers series, which we swept. So that's our def- our first sweep of the year, which was awesome. I also want to point out, every time I look at these box scores, I see Joel Piamps, and that's just yeah. a nice little A's throwback there. Yep. 
Absolutely. Um, oh, I'm sorry. That was not the end of the Brewer series. This is the end of the Brewer series. Right. J.P. Sears finally gets a win, his first win of the season. And was good again, dude. He was very good again. Um, Certainly deserving of more than one victory. But, yeah, zero walks, big zero. I love that. Five and, strikeouts. And only one homer. One home run. ZRA is down to four one five on the year in a season like this. That is excellent. And you know he's. Uh, they're really not letting these guys go anywhere near a hundred or over a hundred very often. So I think this season some of these dudes are going to have trouble getting the W's because you're just sometimes to get a win you need to pitch through the sixth. Really, you know. So if they're only going to pitch five, then they're not going to get that many wins. But he was great. Um, the bullpen got it done. It was very patchwork. It was, Patrick. This um, was one of those games where we were texting each other, like, are we allowed to get excited? Like, And then yeah. we, they put up three runs in the top of the ninth, and we're like, okay, we can get excited. Yeah. Then, of course, we uh, immediately give three runs back in the bottom of the ninth. Yeah, it got nervous all over again. It was a nice power display, though. The A's had um, home runs from Brown, Rooker, and Kevin Smith on the day. Yeah, and Seth Brown and Brent Rooker went back-to-back, which was awesome. Very um, awesome. We were on our way home from L.A. in the car, and we That's listened right. to it. It was very, very fun. Great moment. We shared a beautiful, well-orchestrated high five. We did indeed. Um, and, yeah, I mean, bullpen did enough. Bullpen did enough. Urseg was awesome. Um, May was bad. This is Trevor May undoing all of the good that I was <laughs> talking about him having done before. Um, but he didn't. we didn't lose the game. Sam Long came in and mopped it up. Um, so, yeah, it's an 8-6 win, and that, my friends, is a sweep of the Brewers. That's the end of that series. Now on to the Rays. First sweep of the year. Boy, did it feel good. First on sweep the of the year. And we are 17 and 50 at that point now, um, mm-hmm. which is still not good, but that's five, six wins in a row. Five wins. That's five wins in a row. Just got to hold that, hold that L at 50. Yes. Yes, for the rest of the season. Um, game one against the Rays. James Cap. James Cap was pretty solid. Has another ballsy outing. He's been. Doing what we need him to do lately. Uh, yeah. He's earning his role again, for sure. Six innings pitched, five hits, three earned runs, three walks. So, still not great, but far fewer than last time. Well, and it was a, it was a three-run homer by Jose Siri, which is, yeah. you know, you don't want to have guys on base so that can happen, but that's really only one bad pitch. When, since when, how do all these Rays hit home runs now? They did not know. used to hit. Jose Siri should not be hitting 12 home runs by before the end of June. I agree. And Shea Langley is with a bases clearing double, which was awesome. Uh Huge outing from Ken Waldachuk. Yes. Uh, big three-out save. Gave up just two hits, struck out five. No walks. Maybe something that he can build on, work uh-huh. his way back into the rotation, you because know, he did look good. And this, that, they're a good lineup, so that's no joke. No, you know? that was excellent. And, um, and all in a one-run game. You know, for, for the first time all year, things are actually feeling like they're falling into place a little bit. People are doing what they're supposed to be doing in their, their roles. Mm-hmm. It's interesting. It's fun. The A's are winning. Well, and it's 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 believable because it's not perfect, but it's working. Exactly. They're you know? they're mostly winning by one run, <laughs> uh, but occasionally they'll win by two. Yeah. Sometimes three. Yeah, and sometimes way more when they have a crazy day. But and that brings us to last night, which was awesome. Um, last night was a special day. It was. I don't know if anybody quite realized just how special it was going to be until it, it was happening. Um, man, I was looking ahead to this when they had won five in a row, just thinking, man, if they just win Monday, uh, six in a row going into Tuesday could make for an extra fun night. 
And it was an extra and fun night. It was an night. extra fun night. The fans packed the stadium for their reverse boycott. They had at least 27,000 fans, presumably would have been over 30,000 if not for traffic issues. Uh, if you've ever been stuck on the Hagenberger exit in late to your game, you know how that feels. Not good. Um, but yeah, the fans showed out. They were loud. They were proud. They had their chance. They were organized. It was absolutely beautiful. And we'll take an even larger, deeper dive on that soon. But let's cover the action of the game. The game itself was fantastic. It was. Um, they went down one nothing in the fifth. Manny Margot singled in a run um, off of... Uh, Hogan Harris, who was amazing. We'll also circle back to him a little bit more in depth later. Totally. This, um, but this... Fuji opened the game up. Fuji was pretty good. Pretty good opener. Handed the ball over to Harris, who was great. He was great. Gave up the one run. Um, and then bottom seven, Brent Rucker, Brent Rucker doubled home Jace Peterson. And then um, bottom of the eighth, um, Ramon got his way over to third with less than one out. And Carlos Perez grounded out. Got him home, and Trevor May was definitely the biggest save of the season so far. Yes. It was electric. It was absolutely electric. It was, uh, like I said, I think, like you said, a little bit more intense than we were all expecting, kind of. Um, but, yeah, he draw, he struck out Jose Siri, and I was a little bit suspicious that Jose Siri was going to hit a home run and put them up by, what, three? Put them up by two, maybe? Because that would have been what's been happening. That's been that's been what's would've, been happening this season. Would have put him up by two. Yeah, the two walks could have done without. He made mm-hmm. it a little bit more interesting than needed. But great pitching day, Hogan Harris especially. I mean, seven innings against arguably the best team in baseball, and to just pretty much be lights out. That was phenomenal. Yep. Um, I loved Fuji starting off the game. 101 mile an hour gas striking out Wander Franco. It was awesome. Um, and I have to imagine. You know, starting out a game with the dude pumping a hundred, and then the next time out, these guys see Harris, who's throwing hard but not a hundred. A nice change in looks. Um, yes, I think that's always a good idea. Absolutely. Um, um, oh, and I want to sh- shout out Ramon for just being a freaking ball player. He bent the heck out of his fingers on that stolen base in the third. Mm-hmm. A couple of those uh, stolen base calls. Uh, that one. Thought there was a chance that was going to get overturned and he was going to get called out. Mm-hmm. And the big caught stealing in the ninth by Langliers. Langliers is looking better and better every day behind the dish. He's been gunning out dudes. He's leading the league and caught steals. And he, and that was always that was always I think that was always there. Like I always knew that he was going to be good at that. But to see him actually be good at it is really really cool. Yeah, he was fumbling some of those throws to start the year. Um, but yeah, on that play, I thought maybe they would overturn it and call Randy Rosarena safe. The tag was a little iffy. But yeah, miraculously, things were going the A's way for a change. Don't get used to it. And everybody got to go home as happy as they possibly could for one night. It was it was a great night. So let's, let's cover our moment of the week. Um, moment of the week for me was Hogan Harris in that game. Maybe one of the greatest, last greatest games in Oakland history. And he far outperformed what we expected. Yeah, I mean, it was a pretty, one of the bigger stages for a, a young dude on a bad team. And he was ready. You know, he went out there and he did, he was nails. Um, my moment of the week was Esri Ruiz robbing Brian Anderson 
of extra bases in that last game against the Brewers. J.P. Sears was doing pretty well, but getting kind of rocky, and Brian Anderson really got into one, and Ruiz made a really nice catch in center. So um, his speed seems to play everywhere, you know. Um, so it's cool. I love I love Esther Ruiz. He's the man. Okay, so in honor of the reverse boycott, we've asked ChatGPT to help us create some some works of art. Yeah. Some written pieces uh, to honor the moment. So I'll go first with a with a poem. Keep in mind we haven't rehearsed this very much. In Oakland's heart, where legends dwell, a tale of courage we shall tell, of athletics faithful, strong, and true. Defying darkness, their spirit grew. In shadows cast by Fisher's rain, a reverse boycott they did ordain. To pack the stadium, to fill each seat, and honor the team they'd never retreat. The rich history, a beacon of light, amidst the struggles shining bright. They gathered there with hope ablaze to celebrate the team in a glorious haze. The fifth inning came, a moment profound. A silence fell without a sound. In unity, the fans took a stand, a poignant symbol across the land. Then, from the crowd, a thunderous cry, Sell the team! soared high in the sky, their voices united, steadfast and clear, a chorus of hope for all to hear. Amidst the turmoil, they brought their own giveaways, tokens of love brightly shown, 7,000 souls with hearts so pure, sharing their spirit, a gift to endure. And after the game's final song, they stayed, still singing all night long, for victories on the field and in their hearts. They knew the power of fan-driven arts. Seven wins in a row, a streak ablaze, dreams of triumph they dared to raise. For if they could win twenty-one in stride, miracles awaited on the spirited ride. In this poem's verse, a tale of hope for fans who gathered refusing to cope. Their love for the game, unwavering and strong, could carry them forward where they belong. So let us cherish Oakland's devoted clan, the heartbeat of a team, the dreams they span. In unity and passion, they'll rise above for the spirit of athletics forever they'll love. Pretty good. Not bad, chat. Pretty good. Not too bad at all. Um, And I have... Kind of just a monologue, I think, that it put together, just to kind of set the stage a little bit. Um, In the heart of Oakland, where the embers of baseball flame have burned passionately for decades, a story unfolded, woven with threads of defiance and love for a team that has weathered storms of adversity. On a fateful night, the Oakland Athletics fans took center stage, staging a reverse boycott that transcended the realm of mere fandom. It was a celebration of the rich history that flowed through the veins of this iconic franchise despite the spiteful actions of their owner, John Fisher. As the sun dipped below the horizon, casting a golden hue upon the stadium, whispers of discontent mingled with pulsating energy of anticipation. Fisher, along with his lead henchman, Dave Cavill, were plotting to dismantle the very fabric of the team, their eyes set on Las Vegas, leaving behind the remnants of a once proud city. But the people, the fans who bleed greed and gold, were not so easily silenced. They emerged from the shadows, converging upon the hallowed grounds to make their presence known. Amidst the roar of the crowd, a moment of eerie silence swept through the stadium in the fifth inning. It was as if time itself held, held its breath, and a collective statement of defiance resonated in the stadium. 
The contrast between the deafening silence and the tremendous sell-the-team chants that erupted immediately after was impossible to ignore. The echoes of discontent reverberated throughout the very bones of the stadium, a symphony of passion and determination. But it was not just in words that fans expressed their fervor. They arrived early, long before the first pitch was thrown, their hearts brimming with anticipation. In an act of unity, they crafted their own giveaway, their own testament to the unwavering love for the athletics. 7,000 fans adorned with mementos of their devotion, a tangible reminder that this night would not be forgotten. The game, an epic epic battle fought on the diamond, mirrored the drama unfolding in the stands. Each play carried an extra weight, each swing of the bat, a testament to the resilience of a team that stood on the precipice of uncertainty. As the innings ticked by, the crowd's fervor grew, their energy seeping into the very fabric of the game. When the final out was recorded, sealing the Athletics' seventh consecutive victory, the stadium erupted into euphoria. The fans, refusing to let the night end, lingered in the fading glow of the off-field lights, their chants echoing into the night. It was a romantic dance between a city and its team, a bond forged in the crucible of fashion and loyalty. In the annals of sports history, this night will be etched, a testament to the indomitable spirit of a fan base. Despite the machinations of a misguided owner, the Oakland Athletics' faithful stood tall, defiant in their love. They turned a moment of uncertainty into a celebration of their team's legacy, a rallying cry that reverberated far beyond the diamond. For in that stadium, on that faithful night, the people became the heartbeat of the athletics. And though the winds of change may blow, their love, their dedication, will forever be etched in the storied tapestry of this beloved franchise. I think that says it all. Yeah, I mean, it stinks, but we're still here and we're still watching baseball. So... You know, we could talk about that, but until we have more to talk about on that front, let's just talk about how awesome the boys are playing on the field for now. You know? And, I mean, to that uh, to that thought, and kind of in that vein, our very dear friend Colton Fountain was himself at the game. And, unfortunately, we were not because we had other things going on. But Colton was there. And we're going to talk to Colton soon. I don't know if it's going to be today, but it's going to be very soon about... Um, what that was like, what it was like to be there, you know, because um, it means just as much to him as it does to all of you and both of us and everyone that cares about this. So um, stoked he was there, stoked he got to experience it. Um, I know he and I have a lot of cool moments together at the Coliseum. We have a lot of cool moments individually, and we all have a lot of moments with our families and stuff. So uh, it'll be, I'm stoked. I'm stoked to hear about um, how that was for him, for sure. That will be awesome. Yeah, super sad we couldn't be there. Again, just like maybe the busiest week of the year for us. Yeah, <laughs> very unfortunate timing. Um, so, on that note, are we good? Are we Are we good? I think this collection of players is good, um, the way they're <laughs> playing. I don't know if the previous collection of players and the way they were playing buried them too deep for them to get out of. But yes, I would, I would wager... This team is good. They're going to have a decent record the rest, the rest of the way. Do you think we can like legitimately hope for 500 ball? I think in my head right now, like 10 games under 500 is like 500. I mean, if they can get to sure. there, you know? Yeah, I'm not even talking like final score. Um, just like rest of the year. Could we play 500 I think ball? I think yes. If they keep playing the way – because I think there's also – you know, and we've been hard on them occasionally. I think it was kind of hard not to be, but it seems like a lot of the work that the coaching staff has been doing all year is kind of starting to come to fruition on the field. You know, they're executing pretty yes. well. Yes, they are. 
It's uh, amazing how the and we're better than the Royals. Yeah, obviously we're still terrible, but it's amazing how the narrative shifts just a little bit when you're not like technically the worst team in baseball and you're not technically on pace to set a new record for for worst team ever. No, um, like it just feels so much better to just be in second to last place. Well, and it's also you know you remember how easy it is to root for how easy it is to root for a baseball team when they're winning, you know. Yeah. Um, Last night was fun. It was, it was just great. such a great reminder of what it's all about and, and what it can it be going. like. And yeah, we. I mean, let's I don't expect I don't expect them to pack the stadium every night, but let's just like win. As the poem said, twenty-one in a row. Yeah. I saw Jake of John Boy say, "You know, there's one way this team can stay in Oakland." They gotta beat the Moneyball streak. Yes. They gotta win twenty one in a row. Yep. And then a miracle will happen. They're a third of the way there. Who knows? Uh, we've seen crazier stranger things, things. Crazier things slash stranger things have happened. And we've seen stranger negative things happen this season. So we could it'd be cool to see some like crazy positive stuff happening, you know? We've earned it, that's for sure. That's very, very true. That's true. So yeah, in my mind. And now the goal is to catch the St. Louis Cardinals. If the A's can finish above the St. Louis Cardinals on the season, I'd call the year a total victory. Like, I agree. Throughout the history of baseball, you can pretty much use that as a decent barometer. Like, yep. Did your team do better than the Cardinals? Yep. All right. You probably had a good year. I agree with that. And that may not technically apply this year, but hey. It still feels true. It still feels true. And I would just, it'd be great. I would love that. I would love to catch the Cardinals. Me too. So that's my goal. They're currently... 27 and 42. They's are 19 and 50. If we play like this for another week and they lose every game, we'll be right there with them. Yeah. Nothing. Um, you want to do? What do you want to do? You want to do look back now? Sure, I have a look back for you. Here cool. it is. Cy Young winner in 1990. Pitch for the Dodgers for a long time, and then the A's. Won a bunch of games. 211 in his career, 146 losses. Mm. Career, 347 ERA. Let me see. Here. But yeah, 1990 for the A's. He won 27 games, 2.95 ERA, two complete game shutouts, 238 innings. Oh, mm. I struck oh, out one twenty-seven. Uh, um, I mean, is it Dave Henderson? Dave Henderson was not a pitcher. What am I thinking about? <laughs> I don't know. I knew this one would be tricky. It's uh, played from seventy-eight to ninety-four. Dan and I were wee little babes when he was finishing his career with the A's. Was Dave King in the picture? No. No? <laughs> huh. I... Hmm. His last name is a type of grape juice. <laughs> uh, Welsh? Todd Welsh? <laughs> <laughs> Bob Welch. Bob Welch. Bob Welch. Bob Welch. There you go. 
Bob Welch. I should probably know that one. But I mean, he didn't really. He didn't year, really. Cy Young, the year I was born. He didn't really deserve the Cy Young. He only got it because he had a good ERA with twenty-seven wins. So interesting. Well, Bob Welch, there you go. Not who am I thinking about? I don't know, like Rick Honeycutt. No. Jet Catfish Hunter. Who was who was like the best pitcher on the eighty-nine team? I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I guess it could have been Bob Welch. Let's see. It very well could have been Bob Welch. Dave Stewart. Dave Stewart. Dave Stewart. That's what I was thinking. Mike about. Moore. Storm Davis. Kurt Young. Who when Dave Stewart won a Cy Young, didn't he? No? I don't know. No. Interesting. That's blasphemy. Yeah, he was a better pitcher. Yeah, okay. So I was thinking about well, who did I say? Dave Henderson? Yeah, you said Dave Henderson and Dave, Dave Kingman. Kingman. <laughs> Dave Kingman. Dave Stewart. Dave Stewart. Okay. Well, anyway. I got to brush up on my A's. Disgraceful showing, bit. my dude. I'm just kidding. It, well, no, the, it was. Dave Stewart would have been a better guess than Dave Henderson. <laughs> you were thinking Dave Stewart. I was, just couldn't say it. I was thinking Dave's. Uh, At least you didn't say Dave Cavill. I would never say Dave Cavill unless I was insulting him. <laughs> okay. All right. Moving on. Greatest. Thing we saw in the MLB this week for me. Um, this is kind of like a two week long affair, but I'm going to talk about Gary Sanchez because he's back. He's on the Padres. We love the Padres. And yeah, he's hit six home runs in 50 plate appearances. This is kind of on par with what he was doing when he first came up with the Yankees in 2016 when he popped 20 in 53 games. Yes. Uh, so yeah, he's got a 981 OPS right now. The pitchers seem to love pitching to him, and ever since they picked him up, they're kind of playing all right. So yeah, Gary Sanchez on the redemption tour is is my favorite thing. Um, my favorite thing, Jose Ramirez over a two day stretch went six for nine with four homers, a double, five runs, six RBIs, and three walks. What a beast! Um, so yeah, made three outs. Got on base, what, nine times in 12 plate appearances? Four homers. He's crazy. He's crazy. When the dude, when the dude's on, he's on kind of like nobody else is on. Um, and the Guardians, you know, the Guardians, Guardians have a good lineup. If the Guardians get extremely hot, then they are very scary. Um, but yeah, I love Jose Ramirez. Hopefully uh, athletic one day. <laughs> that would be fun. Um, let's see. Fantasy face-off. So, since June 1st, that's when we'll tally these up, I had Estre Ruiz and Ben Lively. Uh, they didn't do so great. They totaled for about 60 points combined. And then Dan had Kyle Schwarber, who had several 30-point days. Yeah, I was counting. Kyle Schwarber had like 120-something. 120. And then Jose Barrios. I had like, put, had like 55 yeah, total, I think. Something like that. Dan smushed me. Uh, I got to make better choices. Ben Lively wasn't it. So today, I'm going with Ellie De La Cruz, the new hotshot prospect, and Mackenzie Gore. And I am going to go with... I'm gonna. This is gonna be. 
I'm torn. I'm torn between, between a couple of things right now. It's it's tough. It's tough to pick sometimes. Um, you know, I'm going to go with Ryan McMahon. And then I'm going to go with Bryce Miller. Excellent. Bryce Miller is a great choice. And we will see. We'll see what happens. You got you. I see you got who you got on there. You got Christian Carney on the strand. They're, are they about to call him up? Yes. Yeah, so this is the next can't miss prospect that the Reds will be calling up soon. Uh, they haven't explicitly said when. A lot of people are saying this next Monday. Um, so far in the minor leagues this year, he's slashing 362, 427, 735 with 17 home runs and 31 extra base hits in 42 games. Wow. Yeah. He's a first baseman, I believe. Yeah, he'll probably be, I would imagine, maybe. Oh, here's a video of him hitting base? one off of Rusinski. Is it first base, third base eligible, maybe? Does he play any third? I do not know the answers to these questions. Mm. Oh, let me see. I can look. No, just first base. But that's probably a good ad. Um, I'm going to throw... Do I feel like he's on this list every week? He, Jack Swinski. Jack yeah. Swinski has homered four times in his last five games, including a two-homer game. One game he went three for four with a double and a homer. He steals bases sometimes. He walks. I keep looking at this and being very surprised that I don't own him. He's 37% owned. And he's the number sixty-seven player overall. He in, was and in fantasy. He was probably the next name that I would have put on this list. I know we've covered him before, but he's still out there and he's still doing his thing. Um, Mauricio Dubon. Mauricio Dubon is also a hot tamale. Over the last two weeks, he's in well. He's in a little under four hundred. Three doubles, two homers, two stolen bases. He's second short and outfield eligible and he is only 38% owned so he's out there and the Astros are unfortunately a good lineup and he seems to be in that good lineup every day so and then let's see here you know there's a lot of a lot of people out here a lot of people out here available um you know if if Jace Peterson Jace Peterson has actually been pretty hot recently um, I would like maybe another week of good games from him before I start believing that Jace Peterson is definitely worth adding. But given another good week of games, he's only 11% owned, and he's second, third, short, and out, outfield eligible. So if Jace Peterson keeps up what he's been doing, then he's also worth maybe taking a look into if you need some positional flexibility, I would say. I was not expecting us to ever say that this year. But he did. I mean, that 5 for 5 2 homer game, that was crazy. That was a lot of points, you know? Yeah. Unfortunately, it's going to skew his ranking, I would think. <laughs> it's true. It is. Um, but anyway, you uh, you got anything else for it? Not really. I do see this blurb about Tyler Soderstrom. He's up to 14 dingers on the air. So that's good. We love that. Love him. All righty. Well, I think that's it for episode 13. We are. Um, Things are chilling out a little bit, so we will for sure be weekly. I mean, we only missed one week, and you may, you guys may end up hearing it anyway. But, uh, yeah, we will be here at least weekly. Now that it's summer and we have a little bit more time, we may try and sneak some other things in. I know we've teased that a lot, but we are also figuring out StreamYard a little bit. We're feeling it out. 
Um, so once we have a good handle on that, you'll be start seeing more of that stuff. We want to do it, and now I think we do have a little bit more time. So it's just we got to figure out the process a little bit. We're getting there slowly but surely. Alrighty, well, um, let's have another let's have another lossless week until See, we talk again. Talk to you guys when we hit fourteen games, baby. Go A's. Go A's. Bye. Bye. Bye.